Welcome to the Journey Student Ministry Podcast. We're glad you're here. JSM exists to engage students in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to be more like Him. Well, I'm so glad that y'all are here tonight. Um, Wednesday night is one of my favorite nights of the week, and I'm so glad I get to spend it with y'all. Um, and tonight we're going to continue in this series that we've been in, where we've been looking about how to hear God and how to study God's Word. But before we move on, before we do anything, tonight is also a special night, or today is um, today is Veterans Day. And I know we have a few veterans that have served um, our country and that serve at JSM. So if you are a veteran, would you mind standing up just for a second so we can thank you, so that we can see who you are and honor you. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much for everything you sacrificed, for all that you've given. We're so thankful for you and the way that you've fought for our freedom. And so we honor you today. Um, but like I said, we're going to continue on in this series where we've been looking at um, how to study God's word. And does anybody remember what Patrick taught us to study last week? What, what book of the Bible we were in? That is perfectly correct. Yes, we were in First John last week. And so um, Patrick taught us all of these different steps that we can walk through to study God's word. He taught us about preparation. He taught us about how to study and look up key words. He taught us to... Um, observe the text and how to ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. And, and, he, and he talked us through all of that stuff. And, and so today we're going to continue looking into that, but we're going to look at a different part of the Bible. And we're going to look at how we can study that. I mean, how there are a few different steps that we can take to get that understanding of Psalms. Um, but, but before we go on, what, what we can remember is what Patrick taught us last week. And this is kind of our understanding of all things is that we study God's word because it is true. And we study God's word because he reveals himself to us through his word. Second Timothy 3.16 even tells us, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God. And it is um, profitable, profitable for teaching. And it is good for reproof and for correction and for training us in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so we study God's word so that we can be um, trained up, so that we can be all that God has called us to be, so that we can be ready to answer and do whatever God has called us to do. And so that's why we study God's word is so that we can, we can know him, so we can be all who he has created us to be. And we also see the scripture, it, it trains us up to be um, the people that God has called us to be, but it, it also leads us, it also directs our path. Um, Psalms 119 is this super long Psalm, over a hundred verses. And all it does, it, t- it just talks about how good scripture is. It just, it goes on and on about the wonders of scripture and, and all of this stuff. But specifically in verse 105 from Psalms 119, you've probably heard this before, but it tells us that, that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so this is another reason that we study God's word. It's because it guides us, because it lights our path, it directs our feet and tells us what steps to take and where and when. And so we get to know God and we get to follow after God by knowing his word. And so those are two main reasons that we even encourage you, why we think it's important, why we believe that we should be students of God's word. And so, like I said, tonight we're going to dig into specifically how to study a psalm. And a psalm is a little different than the passage of scripture that we looked at last week in 1 John. Because a psalm is a poem or a song. 
And so uh, some of them were written as poems that um, someone wrote when they were sad or when they were happy. And some psalms were written as songs of praise. And so they were kind of written in... Um, like the congregation, they were supposed to sing them together in church, essentially. And so there are a few different kinds of Psalms, but the main reason we read Psalms is because it is our prayer book. It can become our praise book. Essentially, we read the book of Psalms and it was given to us to be used as our prayer book as we as God's people wait for what is to come. And so this means that we can pray these prayers as we look towards the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and his kingdom. So when the, when the Psalms were written thousands of years ago, um, the people, the people that were reading these Psalms, the people of God that were singing these Psalms and, and pray and praying them, they were waiting for Jesus to come to earth. They were waiting for the Messiah. And so in the same way, just like they were waiting, we are waiting for God to return, for Jesus to come back again. And so we can pray the prayers that are written in the Psalms. We can read and apply the praises that were written in Psalms because we, again, are waiting for Christ to return. And so these Psalms give us words when we don't have words to say. They give us um, praises to, to lift up to God when we are speechless. And when we don't know where to turn and things like that. And so that is why Psalms should matter to us. And that's why we study Psalms um, and search through them. And so um, David wrote most of the Psalms and he is this man of God. Um, He was described as a man after God's own heart. And so um, David wrote the majority of the Psalms, but there were also some other men um, like Moses and Solomon and some um, other like patriarchs of our faith and elders, and then some Psalms that we actually don't know who wrote them. And actually the one that we're about to break down in a second, it doesn't clearly say who wrote this Psalm. And so we say that the author is anonymous. Um, and so, and so we're, gonna, we're gonna break down these, the, a Psalm together and we're gonna look at, at how, how we can pick apart a Psalm so we can fully understand it and so that we can fully apply it to our lives because poetry is sometimes hard to read in itself and, and especially poetry that, that was written thousands of years ago and we may not fully understand it, but there are ways that we can break it down so that we can apply it to our lives. And, and there are four steps that we can take when we are studying a psalm. And the first step is very similar to what Patrick taught us last week, that, that we are going to look for key words. We're gonna look for words that repeat, that are repeated throughout the scripture, or we're gonna look for um, words that, that really stick out to us, that, that seem to like just kind of summarize the whole theme of the scripture. And then once we um, find the key words, it's important that we look them up. If we don't know a key word, but we find a key word, there's really no point in knowing the key word if we don't understand what it means. And so the next step is, is to look up key words that we don't know. And then the next three steps are to ask these three questions to yourself as you're reading this passage, as you're reading a Psalm. And the questions we should ask is, we should ask, who is God? Who does this tell, who does this um, this passage tell me that God is. And so this helps us look at the character of God and it helps us know who God is by reading who he says he is and his word. And then the next thing we should do is we should ask ourselves, what does this Psalm say that God does? And and, and so we can look at a Psalm and we can look at how God responds to us and how God works in creation and certain circumstances so we can understand and find why God does the things that he does. 
And then the last thing we should ask ourselves is, what does this Psalm um, say about me? Or what does this Psalm apply, imply about me? And, and so this is really asking, how can I apply this truth to my life? Um, how does this new idea of God um, change my life? Or, or how does it change the life? Um, how does it change me to know what God is doing, why he does it and who he is? And so those are the four steps that I use um, to, to study a psalm that I think are, are really helpful. And there are also four tools that I use when studying psalms or any of scripture as well. And so the first one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to us um, as, as a counselor, as, as a leader in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit guides us in truth and knowledge. And, and this goes along with what Patrick taught us last week in the preparation of prayer. Prayer should be one of the tools that we use in studying God's word as well. And so when we pray, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We can ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds to understand. We can ask the Holy Spirit to help us focus on what we're learning. We can, we can employ the Holy Spirit as a tool as we're studying God's word. And then the next tool is the Bible. The best way for us to hear God, the best way for us to know God, the best way for us to know God's word is to read the Bible. And I know that may seem simple, but I, I know it's hard. It's so much easier to listen to me or to Patrick or to another pastor or to listen to um, a podcast or worship music or a video that someone is like repeating scripture back to you than it is for you to actually read scripture yourself. But reading scripture for yourself and seeing it with your own eyes is so important. And so the Bible is one of the most, um, one of the best tools that we can use to study scripture. And then the next thing are these three things that you might not have heard before, um, but they are called cross-references, commentary, and concordances. And these are just like fancy names for tools and things that we can use to study God's word. So the first thing is a cross-reference. And the cross-reference is something that um, you might have in your Bible. And it essentially is just, on each page, maybe in the center of your Bible, at the bottom of your Bible. It's just a list of verses that kind of um, connect you to other parts of scripture. So you might be reading about the goodness of God and there might be a cross-reference on that page that brings you to another passage of scripture that also talks about the goodness of God. And so you can kind of connect the dots through scripture about different things that you're reading. And then the next thing is commentary. And commentary is essentially just a ton of essays and research and, and um, thoughts that like theologians and Bible scholars have um, written up and, and written for us to read. And so these Bible scholars and these theologians, they, they're experts in, in understanding God's word. And so they write these essays for us to understand the history of a passage we're reading or the, or the, like, the cultural context of a passage we're reading or, or things like that. And so we get, to use, we get to skip all of the research that they did and just read their research instead of us doing the research. So it's a, it's a really helpful tool. And then the last thing is a concordance. And a concordance is just another fancy name for a dictionary. And a concordance is essentially just a dictionary for terms that we find in the Bible. And so these are things that we can use to help us. And the last thing, the last tool that we can use for studying scripture and especially Psalms is community. It is so important that we 
um, come together to study with other people. This is one of the reasons that we um, meet in small groups every Wednesday night is because we want y'all to be studying scripture in community. It is, it's amazing that, that you can read a passage of scripture and your whole small group can talk about it and you may have totally different perspectives of, 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 of the passage of scripture, but you may learn something from your friend that you didn't know. And so it's important that, that we study together so that we can learn from one another, so that we can also be united and focusing on God together. And so these are four really important tools, I think, that are helpful for us to study God's word. And so what we're gonna do is now we're gonna read through a passage of scripture and we are going to walk through everything that I just said. And so we're gonna put into practice um, using the tools that we have. We're gonna put into practice asking the three questions that we have. We're gonna put into practice finding keywords. And so we're gonna do this together as we read through Psalms 1, 111. Okay, Psalms 111. So the first thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna look for keywords. And so we're gonna read the passage of scripture together. And as we read it, we're gonna listen out. We're gonna look out for words that um, repeat uh, or words that stick out to us, okay? So here we go. Psalms 111. Praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him and remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just and all his precepts are trustworthy. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people and he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Okay, so were there any words that kind of stood out to y'all? What'd you hear? Lord, that's right. What else? Yeah? Works. Yes. Perfect. What else? He. he yes. You? Thanks. Yeah. What else? Wisdom. Wisdom. Okay, so we hear all these words that stick out. And, and when I was studying this, I found four words that really stuck out to me that I think are important to this. And, and we might all have found different words that all stick out to us. But the four that stuck out to me were works, forever, fear, and covenant. And so these are four words that either were repeated or, or words that I thought seemed very important to the meaning of this passage, of this psalm. And so the next thing is we, we found these key words and then we need to look them up. So I used a concordance. You can just Google like Bible concordance on your phone and find one online. And so I looked it up. I looked up, what does works mean? And so works means that these are God's deeds in creation. And so when we read through here that um, about God's works, that God's works are, are good or faithful or, or just, we're saying that everything that God does, everything that he does in us, through us, to us, upon the earth, um, these are his works. 
And then we see forever. Forever is repeated um, quite a few times in this passage. And so we know that forever clearly means forever, that it means eternally, it means never ending. And then we get to fear. And, and fear in, in um, the Psalms, especially in throughout scripture, it doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It, it's not saying to um, fear God, like to be afraid of him or to be scared of him is the beginning of all wisdom. But what it means is, is fear in this context means to revere God, to respect God or to honor God. And so we can say when we honor God and when we respect God, we can um, begin to enter into understanding all wisdom, okay? And then the next thing is covenant. And a covenant is a promise that God has made to his people. And so we hear a lot about covenants in the Old Testament and then Jesus comes and he, and he brings a new covenant um, to, to us as well. And, and so a covenant just essentially means a promise, an oath that God has made to his people, that God has made to us. So we see these four words, and sometimes I think it's helpful to kind of make up one sentence using the, the key words that I find to kind of give me like a one sentence, like tweet size summary of what the passage of scripture says. And so we can use with the four words of a fear, covenant, works, and forever that we can see that, that God keeps his covenant forever and that his works are good and that he is for those that fear him. Or something like that. And so we can kind of get the whole gist of this with those four words. And then the next thing that we do, so we found the four words. We found our key words that stuck out to us. We made sure we understood them. We know exactly what they mean. And then the next step, the next thing that we do is we ask ourselves the first question. And that is, what does this psalm say that God, who does this psalm say that God is? And so we're going to read through this psalm and we're going to search through what does this psalm say specifically that God is? Who is he? And there are um, three things that this psalm says that God is. And so we see the first thing in verse three, where it says that, that God is eternally righteous. It says that his righteousness endures forever. So we can answer the question, who is God? By saying God is righteous forever. And then the next thing we can see is in verse four, where it says that God is gracious and merciful. So we can say, who is God? And we can say, God is gracious and merciful. God is a gracious and merciful God. And then the last thing that this passage tells us about that, that answers this question of who is God is in verse nine, where it says that God's name is holy and awesome. So God is holy and awesome. And so we can answer this question of who is God as we search through this. And then the next question we can ask ourselves as we are studying a Psalm is, what does God do? What does this Psalm tell me that God does? And this is where it will come in handy that we looked up what a work is. And so we know a work is something that God does. And so we can find um, what God does throughout this Psalm by looking at around where it says work in the Psalm. And so this Psalm says that God does a lot. So we're gonna break it down together. Starting in verse two, this Psalm tells us that the works of the Lord are great. So we know that God does great work, okay? And then in verse three, it says that God does um, things that are of splendor and majesty. It says full of splendor and majesty are his works. 
And so we can see that God does wonderful things. And then in verse four, it says that God um, makes his works remembered, that he has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. And so we can see that, that God, the work that he does is memorable and that he longs for us to remember what he has done for us. And then again, in verse five, we see that very clearly it says that God provides food. And then again, very clearly it says that God remembers his promise for us. And then it goes on again in verse six, and it says that God gives us an inheritance. It's very clear what he does. And then in verse seven, it says that God does work that is faithful and just. This is what God does. He does things that are faithful and just. And then in verse nine, we see two more things that God does. God sends redemption. God has sent redemption to his people. And so this is something that God does. And then the last thing that we see that God does is that God commands his covenant. And so this essentially means by saying commands his covenant is that he oversees the promise that he made. He, he makes sure and watches over every detail to make sure that the promise, the covenant that he made with us will never be broken. And so he rules on that covenant. And every moment he makes sure and watches over everything that is happening to make sure that that promise is never broken. So we can see what God does in this. And then the next question we ask ourselves is how, what is this, um, what does this passage, what does this psalm imply about me? What does this psalm say about me? Another way to say this is how can I apply this psalm to my life? And so we're, we would read through this again and we would find exactly what it's saying about us. And so the first thing that we see of, of what God says, what the psalm says about me is that first we see that we should praise God just like the author of this psalm, it says that I will praise God with my whole heart. And so in the same way, this psalm is telling us that we should praise God. The psalmist, this, this author has set an example to us so that we can praise God. And then the next thing that we see about ourselves is in verse five. If you are someone that fears God, if you're someone that that follows God as Lord of your life, if you are someone that honors God, if you're someone that respects God, then God provides food for you. And this isn't just food on your dinner plate, but this is, this is um, like a spiritual food that he sustains you and he provides your every need and he heals you and, and so many different things. And so if you are someone that fears God, we can see that this Psalm tells us that God provides for us. And then we also see, like I just said, that this also reminds us that, that God keeps his promise for you. And so there may be things, there may be people in your life that have broken promises to you, that they've let you down, but we can, we can trust and know that this Psalm reminds us that God keeps his covenant. He, God keeps his promises forever. And so this is what this Psalm says about us. And then the next thing is, is in verse six, where it says that God shows the, his people the power of his works. And so we can see that God has shown us his power through what he does. And so we can see that, that, that um, this Psalm teaches us and reminds us that we can see God working in our lives. And then the next thing is in the same verse that, that God gives us an inheritance. This is something that this Psalm teaches us about, that there is an inheritance for us. And, 
this is a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down, but, but this inheritance is something that, that we get um, as people that are covered by Jesus' blood. And so if you want to know more about that, if you want to study more about that, you can look in Ephesians 3, where it talks about how we have been given every spiritual blessing of the heavenly places. And it talks about the inheritance that we get through Jesus Christ. But for now, we can see that we get an inheritance. And then the next thing is that we see that we receive redemption. It says that God sends redemption for his people. And if we are his people, if we follow after him and he is Lord of our lives and he sends redemption for us. And so this is something that we can learn about ourselves through this passage of scripture. And then the last thing is in verse 10, where it says, it says that the fear of the Lord's beginning of all wisdom and those who practice it have a good understanding. And so if you fear God, if you follow after him, if you do all of that stuff, then you can enter into the beginning of wisdom and understand and have knowledge and understanding. And so this is what this Psalm says about you. And so then the next step, after we answer all of these questions, we have to figure out exactly what is, how, do, how do we practice this? How do we put into practice what David or the um, author of this Psalm did? How do we actually practically apply this to our lives? And so one of the ways that we could apply this psalm to our life is, is maybe by making a list just like this author did of the good things that God has done. Just like this author lists that God sent redemption, that he, he had an inheritance, that he provides food and, and all of these different things. One way that you can apply this scripture and practice what the scripture is saying is making a list for yourself. Of, of what are just five things that God has done in your life, five blessings that you can identify, five ways that you've seen God move, whatever it is, and then praise God specifically for those things. Say, God, thank you for this. Or God, thank you for how you worked in this. And praise him just like this author did, where he says that God's praises endure forever because of all that he's done. And so that's one of the ways that we can apply it. But students, let me tell you, application is one of the most important steps of studying scripture, of any sort of scripture. Because if we read all of God's word, but we don't actually do anything with it, that we have almost wasted our time. First Corinthians, it actually tells us, it says that if, if we speak in tongues of men, of angels, and we don't love God or love others, then we are like a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And it says, or if we have like all the prophetic powers and we understand all the mysteries of the world and we have all the knowledge of God, of scripture and all this other stuff. And even if we have enough faith that we can move a mountain by just saying it, but we don't love God and love others, then we have nothing. And so it is crucial that we don't just understand these, but we, these truths, but we actually act on them that when we understand God's word, that we actually let it light our path, that we actually turn it on as a lamp that we carry with us as we walk through life, as God's word, God's word tells us. And it's like this, this idea of application. Um, it makes me think of another pastor named Francis Chan. He's used this story. Sometimes us reading scripture um, and us not applying it kind of is like if your parent <clears throat> were to walk up to you in your house and say, hey, I need you to clean your room. And you say, okay, mom or dad, I fully understand that you want me to clean my room. 
And then you go back to your room and maybe you go watch some uh, Marie Kondo on Netflix and you look up like what sparks joy or you look up how to like neatly fold every t-shirt you have in the drawer or even maybe you go research the perfect soap that you should use for your bed sheets or maybe you even go over to your friend's house and you, you and your friends, y'all all talk about the best way that they all clean their rooms and you ask them for some tips maybe and you, you run some ideas by them and you're like, should I use this soap or that soap? Okay, and then maybe you come back home and you even write out a plan of how you're gonna do it. Step one, I'm gonna pick up all my dirty laundry. Step two, I'm gonna put my shoes in the closet. Step three, I'm gonna wash my sheets. Step four, I'm gonna take all the dirty dishes that are on my nightstand downstairs. And and you write out this whole list and maybe that takes you two or three days and you spend so much time, you've poured so much effort into looking up how to clean your room. But then your mom or your dad walks into your room three days later after you've put in all of this work and your room is still dirty. And they ask you, didn't you say that you understood that I wanted you to clean your room? And you say, yeah, I fully understood. And I studied and I know exactly how to do it. But the issue is you didn't actually do it. And that's the trap that we can sometimes fall into when we study scripture is that we know that maybe God has called us to be obedient to his scripture and we've studied exactly what it means we know exactly what it says we know how we should apply it to our lives but we don't actually do it we don't actually clean our room we don't actually clean up our life we don't actually um, change our plans according to God's plans and so we have to resist this we have to resist this urge to gather up all of this knowledge and not actually use it. And so that's why I say application is important. It's because if we do all of this, even if you have six more hours of time in your small group where you're studying Psalms, and we talk about how to study God's word and hear God for the next six years, if we don't actually do anything with what we hear, then we have practically done nothing. And so that's why it's important, like I said, to practice that small step of application. Just start with that. Write out what you're thankful for and praise God for it. Apply it. Let God light your path. Let his word actually change you. Like we said from the beginning in 2 Timothy, that God's word is useful to encourage us and correct us so that we can be all that God has called us to be. Because that's our desire, that's our goal is that we can um, be all that God has called us to be, that we can love him um, more than anything else, that we can love others as he's called us to love and his word helps us do that. And so hope this was helpful for you that, that you can see how to study a Psalm, how even though these Psalms were written over 2000 years ago, they still apply to us today. Because the truth is, is that if, if you believe that God is who he says he is, If you believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews tells us, then what we read that was written 2,000 years ago is still true for us today. So when we read, like we just read, that that God um, provides food for those that fear him, that God sends redemption for those that love him, If we read that and we believe that from 2000 years ago, and we believe that the same God that did that back then is the same God that does it now, 
then it should change our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are, that you have revealed yourselves to us, that, that you don't hide on your throne up in heaven, but you have given us your word so that we can know you, so we can know your characteristics, so we can know your nature. And Lord, we're thankful that you have given us minds, that you've created us with the ability to comprehend your word, to study it, to memorize it, to apply it, Lord. And so my prayer is that we would use this ability, that we would study your word, that we would love it, that we would be students of it, Lord, and that we would apply it so that we can be all that you have made us to be, so that we can be equipped for every good work that you've created us to accomplish, Lord. So I pray for every student and leader, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open their minds to fully comprehend what your word says, Lord, Lord, that you would, that your Holy Spirit would open up their ears to hear how you are speaking to them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would open up their mouths so that they may speak your word, that they may speak your truth in times of doubt. Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts, that they would, that they would meditate on your word, that they would store it in their hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would direct their feet, Lord, with your word that is a lamp to their path, God. Lord, thank you for who you are, for all that you've done, for how you have given us your word, Lord. May we use it to love you and love others more. You are so good. And as we read and we proclaim that your praise endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Journey Student Ministry Podcast. If you need help taking your next step, email our team at jsmnextsteps at journeycommunity.net.